Hey, Matt here. Today we've got an interview with Corey Black, who we saw in the last episode at the NAS Postgrad show. Corey's on Instagram at Orphan, O-R-F-Y-N. And we are on Instagram at hungup.au. Chuck us a follow. Enjoy the show. Not for pets. Yeah, Dune is not for pets or <laughs> yeah. kids. No. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's, it's cool to talk to you, man, because uh, I guess we often like to see work without really thinking of the artist. We kind of just mm. like storm in and we're like, when we go to a show, we're like, you know, not it, like not ignoring the artist, but we kind of are like, let's take the work first and foremost. We're kind of less interested in like a any kind of intent or interpretation. We're just kind of like, what is here in front of us right mm. now? And I think when we walked in, it was like when we went to the postgrad show, we like hung out in the studios first, just like by chance. And then we walked into the the main gallery where your work was. I didn't even realize because there's like a few, there was like a few sculptures, I guess, of yours on the mm. floor as well. And I didn't realize it was the same work. But yeah, there was something really exciting about your stuff in that room. It also struck me as like pretty different, like vibe wise mm. to everything else what was, that was in the room, which was really exciting. Like it felt a lot like darker and it kind of was glitchier. A lot of things were, you know, like they're still very nicely made objects, but a lot of things in that room were very kind of squeaky clean feeling. Mm. Maybe like you could go ahead and just describe those for us and for the, for the listeners. Yeah, sure. So, um, so a lot of the work, uh, in, in the main gallery space was made, uh, kind of towards the end of my masters. And so, um, there's like different kind of sections of things that have their own kind of like through lines and like networks of thought. So like a lot of the big aluminium prints um, was like one area of kind of research that I was going through. And then the same thing with the prints on the perspex. Um, uh, a lot of the work that I do as you probably have guessed, is about technology and how we interact with technology. Um, and it kind of became apparent to me, like towards the end of the course, that um, my work is very focused on process and it does focus on process in a way of, like the processes that I engage with and that I make the work with are ways of me processing the world and the research that I engage with. Can you unpack a bit and talk about your process? Yeah, sure. Fabricators, like who was, who was doing, mm. you know, printing and stuff? Yeah. Um, so I was very fortunate to receive a scholarship for the masters. And so the place that gave me that scholarship is called Lookprint and they're on Parramatta Road. And so they do all my printing and cutouts for me. In terms of like the aluminium stuff, um, the actual content of that work is like uh, kind of layers and layers and layers of just uh, images that I've kind of uh, picked out from my phone or from just like going down a rabbit hole on Google. Um, and so then I kind of uh, go down another rabbit hole when I'm sitting on my laptop and like I pixelate them and I stretch them and I shrink them and I rub them out um, and I just kind of fuck with them in a way that kind of mimics the way that information is trafficked because I look at information itself as a material that I use um, 
I remember reading, I think it was, I think it was the James Bridal book when he said something like, you know, essentially everything is information. And I mean, it seems obvious now, but like that really struck a chord with me. And so then I kind of went down the path of, well, I can use like literally anything to dig into. Yeah. Do you, um, do you have like that, uh, like, uh, yeah, we, you have an Instagram account. Like, do you use it much? Mm. Like, are you on, are you addicted to Instagram? I guess is what I'm asking. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess you could say so. Like, especially with COVID Instagram's kind of become like the main gallery that I go to yeah. in this sense. Yeah. Huh. yeah. Interesting. Um, so yeah, like all of my saved posts are just like mainly works that I like, um, so yeah, that that definitely informs it. Um, yeah. What's your What's your like favorite thing to do on the internet? Like like if not Instagram, like do you have do you have a place on on your phone or on your like laptop? Or you know like that makes you feel those like art feelings that we're kind of talking about. Like you know where are you getting these pictures from and like. Um, no, I'd say Instagram's probably the main thing, really. Um, like. Yeah, I mean, I did actually have a listen to the the review you guys put up before chatting, and like, I did think all of the game references were pretty funny, just because like that's such an obvious like way to interpret the work, and like I definitely do see that, and I appreciate that reading. Um, although I like myself, I haven't played games like, uh-huh. since I was like twelve years old. Huh? Um, cool, but yeah, no, I definitely. I definitely think it has become such like an incredibly big part of our visual culture now that like it's just kind of impossible to get away from. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I was thinking, I'm just reflecting on what it felt like in that space and there's something about work like this, like work that is kind of like, I don't know, you're talking about like yeah, almost not... It, it feels a bit like there's like a collage kind of sense, but this like hectic collage of information. Mm. And I'm thinking about how, you know, no matter how like frenetic an image is, once you're in the gallery, like it's still so much more like calm and still mm. than the mm. experience of like trawling through info online. Yeah. So I wonder, like, I'm interested in that difference because it's like, it feel like for me when I'm like being overwhelmed by information or even, even just like really engaged with information in like a positive mm. way, I'm still in that kind of like gambling addict, like flow state, like timelessness, mm-hmm. but like going to see your work, like as you're talking about it as like a distillation or an interpretation or like a reflection of like that process it is always still like kind of calming for me because you're still just looking at like, you know, a, a kind of you know small or medium small, sized yeah. yeah like shape on the wall mm. and it's still so slow like even in that you know in the Nath show like in any gallery space we are always a little bit reverent and respectful or like that's at least the tone so yeah I, I thought that's that's kind of an interesting mix like when we make works that are you know you can obviously recreate that intensity when you start creating moving images but a still image is co- kind of has this calmness mm especially if it's abstract, you know, especially if it doesn't Mm. have like a, you know, you could be pretty triggering if you wanted to have representations of images, but like an abstract image. Yeah. I don't know. I remember feeling, yeah, quite at once, like very excited by them, but also still in that realm of like eating my vegetables. (laughs) Like I'm just looking at one thing and it's in front of me and I can't replace it with an infinite list of things right now. Mm. Um, Yeah. I guess I was going to ask like, it, um, in a roundabout way, like, 
if you and and look, I know that a, a grad show is is a bit different. I mean, we weren't there on the opening night. Like we went to the we recently went to the mm. um the 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 grad show grad show like the bachelors one, and it was just like. Like I was joking, yeah, exactly. I was like, I refuse to see any art because there was just too many people there, and it was like a social thing. So like, that's not really what I'm talking about. But like, when you're when you show your work um, mm. in a gallery, what do you what do you sort of expect, or like, what do you anticipate people's behavior will be? <laughs> like, do you see that kind of reverent stuff that we're talking about as like, uh, um, as a hurdle for for people to kind of access your work? No, not really. I mean, to be honest, it's not something I am super focused on. Like, that's um, like a big question that you get asked a lot. Like, what do you intend for the viewer or what do you want the viewer to get out of this? And I don't really think about that. Like, at the end of the day, I think art can be incredibly selfish and I think that's okay. I think the work can do other things without you necessarily having to push it in a certain direction. Um, yeah, like, like what you were saying before about feeling kind of calm in the presence of those works, I think like that resonated with me because I think when I make them and when I go through that process of layering so many images, like that's kind of my way of debriefing from all the images that I see every day and all the images that I'm like, you know, we're all forced to look at. And so in a way that that's kind of me attempting to unlearn like the constant media saturation that we go through. Um, yeah, I had a, we, uh, the photo students, we had like a really interesting conversation a few weeks back with some curators from Artspace. Um, and one of them asked me like a really good question, which I hadn't even thought of before, which was, um, you know, are these images finished? And I'd never really thought about that before. And I, I, don't think they are like I, I don't think they're static I think they're always kind of shifting and moving and I think if anything that's what I hope the viewer would get out of it hmm. one of the things we pointed toward in that um last episode was like this kind of tension between the border like introducing mm. the border as this strong element in the composition which yeah gives it this amazing kind of back and forth like flow or dialogue between mm. the contents and the and yeah like the sort of its interaction with the space is super cool um mm. but I, I wanted to ask like those those images that go in do you like do you sort of like save them? Like if you, if you looked at, a, at an image of your, at, at like one of the works, could you go like, oh, that's like a screenshot of like something that I took like last year. Do you like sort of uh, remember or save or record any of that stuff? Or does it kind of get washed and like squashed down into the work? Um, yeah, no, it kind of gets like lost in a way, which I think is also an important part of the process because like I said, it's that, kind of unlearning aspect. Like I, I can recognize small little things and like little snippets of images that I've used. Um, but yeah, no, it's definitely not something that I kind of keep track of like a diary or anything. I have thought about like screen recording myself making them or something like that. But then like it's, it's it can be so truncated. Like I could work on one thing for like six hours and then stop for like a week or two and come back to it yeah i see yeah i see yeah 
I really like that take that you're being selfish when you're like from your perspective because you're kind of like <laughs> saying you don't really give a shit about the audience. Maybe not. Maybe that's not exactly what you're saying, but I kind of like yeah. that take because it feels like it like frees me in a way because I'm like, mm. I don't have to care about you know, what the artist was necessarily intending, I can come and I can be selfish as a viewer as well. Yeah. And I think that like confidence on both ends mm. is only a good thing. Like if people are willing mm. to like make stuff without necessarily thinking about the audience, that's yeah. probably a good thing. And if audiences are willing to like say what they actually feel, mm. even if it's not that much, like that's a good thing too. True. It can be like, I'm kind of bored or this is whatever. Mm. Like you don't have to say it's good because you're not thinking about a person necessarily yes. or like hurting someone's feelings. So yeah, that's a, that's a cool take. And I, I was going to ask you, and I, I don't know if you still, but like I, if you had been to any galleries recently or if there would like is an ideal space for your work. Um, yeah, I actually went uh, gallery hopping on Saturday for the first time in quite a while and I went to maybe like four or five different galleries. Um, but the highlight for me was uh, Coma Gallery in Darlinghurst. I'd never been before, but um, it's a really nice space. It's just kind of like wedged in between like a lot of restaurants and bars and stuff. And it's just this little upstairs space that's... Um, like a converted old terrace, like it's obviously got very old uh, bones, but um, the space itself is quite, you know, white cubey, very kind of sterile. And uh, there was a, a solo show there by Kate Bahanas, which uh, she's like a pretty up and coming artist from Adelaide. And she had these big kind of welded stainless steel uh, sculptures with these kind of flowing kind of uh, amorphous uh, fabric pieces that she'd kind of hooked into the stainless steel um, with all these little intricate like beads and threads throughout. And I, I really like that. Um, it made me want to become a better welder. <laughs> probably the majority of the work I make is conceived by me like at home on my laptop or on my phone um, and then it gets sent out to a whole range of different uh, places so I I kind of you know look at the work I make as having multiple authors like I'm not the sole person like I just kind of choreograph things in a way um, so yeah, the sculptures you you guys saw on the floor, like they were probably the last works I made, um, like the sand cast aluminium and the sand cast bronze. Um, they kind of, they came about because I was actually doing a fair bit of three D printing at NAST. They have a three D printer, but it's since broken, and I haven't been able to do anything with it. And the parts have been like lost in transit for like nearly a year now. So like all of the things I was 3D printing were only half printed. Um, 
And so there were there were things that I was making on uh, software like Blender or um, ZBrush. So it was just kind of very intuitive, um, playing around with like digital sculpting. Um, and so then I kind of wanted to continue that, but I didn't have the option of 3D printing. So I went to uh, Reverse Garbage and they had all these amazing uh, like plastic blobs from like these industrial like waste runoff plants or whatever it is. And they were kind of like, you know, I saw them and I thought, well, this is probably the, as good as it's going to get to the things that I was sculpting and hoping to 3D print. Um, and so then I thought like it would be interesting to kind of trap them like these kind of like 21st century fossils in a way in like a process like sand casting, which is like one of the oldest, uh, if not the oldest uh, sand casting or casting process. Um, and so then, yeah, I just took them to a foundry in Mascot and basically said like, can you cast these for me in aluminium and bronze and kind of had to step back and, you know, hold my breath a bit because I'd never done it before. That's always what it feels like. Like if, if you've never done this kind of thing before and you're spending a bit of money, it can be a bit anxiety inducing, but I was, yeah, really happy with the results. Did, had they done, had they worked with an artist before this foundry? Um, yeah, actually they do a lot of, um, like big monumental public sculpture and like uh -huh. I think a fair bit of like sculpture by the sea kind of stuff. Okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, like yeah. <laughs> they were pretty happy to work with me. Um, that's always another thing that you kind of have to get used to is like <laughs> going into these places and kind of coming off as a bit of a freak because people are just yeah, like, why do yeah. you want to spend money on this? And I love why, that. like, what's it for? I yeah. love that. And I love that as like this, kind of hidden history of the work mm. that it has to touch all these like commercial processes and touch all these different yeah. hands and mm. you know it's relationship to the market you know that you're they're like why do you want this like why do you want these little ugly mm. you know sculpture things yeah. like why yeah why are you paying us for this and what could this be worth it touches all these interesting points of yeah like i guess just capital and production and yeah it's exciting it's exciting that it yeah. could all and also that you could end up with a bunch of this stuff and like not know what to do with it. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a very kind of like awkward space, but funny in that way. Like I remember when I first started working with the guys that do all my printing, um, like one of the first things I did with them was, I don't know if you guys saw it in my studio, but it was that really long blue kind of pixelated uh, print on acrylic. Um, and yeah, when I sent when I sent the files to them, I got an email back like a few days later, which was like a whole thread between like the production manager and the technicians wow. being like, "Is this file corrupted? Do we need to print this?" Like, and I was like, "No, yes, please, please print it. I've been waiting for ages because of COVID." Like, yeah. Wow, oh, that's, that's so good. I love it. I fucking love it. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Do you sort of like? anticipate or, or like care about trends in any way not really <laughs> like i kind of um when i come into contact with that sort of stuff like i either just think it's funny or brush it off or think like well is there something more to this and how can i mine it and how can i use it um 
but yeah, I definitely think, um, like one, one of the movies that I wrote about in my paper, I think it's the only movie I wrote about was this film called Demon Lover, which came out like, I think 2000 or 2001. And it's kind of like in line with the whole, everyone's starting to get like overwhelmed with images and like interesting technologies kind of catching up with uh, all of us. And it's about these two companies that kind of, uh, kind of vying for this product, which is taking over their lives, which is actually a company that produces like the world's best hentai. <laughs> um, and so it's like, it goes kind of crazy towards the end, but like, it's just got all these images and all this kind of um, weird interactions between the characters where like everything changes because they come into contact with like all this new information and the speed of that information and how it kind of Interesting. fucks with their heads. Yeah. I looked it up on Rotten Tomatoes. Is this it? It's like corporations encounter sabotage when they try to buy a yeah. website. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I'm a big fan of that director, but that movie was definitely something that I felt like was really important to what I was trying to get at. Like, yeah. Yeah. Just in terms of being overwhelmed with information on yeah. such a daily basis. Yeah. It's, it's a, yeah, it's a constant fucking problem. I think in everyone's life, like I sometimes can't believe that we can handle so much of it. Like that mm, you can yeah. s like the day ahead today, like it's just, I mean, everyone's every day is just like, it's a psychotic amount of digestion, mm. like mm. from every angle mm. in every part of your like body and mind. Mm -hmm. And somehow I was still able to like step out in the sun and like take a breath and like smile <laughs> and come here. Like we're all like, we're so fucking overwhelmed. We're still, quite resilient like shockingly mm. resilient yeah like jesus christ i don't know how we're how we're still managing and still managing to mm. not only like consume all this stuff but still have the energy to make more and and in a funny way like yeah. add more yeah because <laughs> you're like yeah, yeah you're still creating like yes you're creating almost like a distilled super information object yeah. like <laughs> with yeah. all of the souls cool. of those hundreds of thousands of images and mm. their histories and you're like yeah good on you guys <laughs> good on <laughs> right yeah I, I actually um someone was i mean we kind of we all know this already but someone i just i i saw someone recently like talking about the psychology of it and saying like it it's no wonder and like you shouldn't feel guilty for it because it's just like almost impossible not to be like hooked on something thing you know like mm. it's just like it, and i think this this the scary thing for me was always like like how you like need to be on these things like in a social kind of way like and and yeah i don't know like um like i realized recently I, I, so aiden's been off of facebook for like it's probably since i've known you actually and yeah i um like years and years and like i was like fuck i need to get off of this stupid website like mm -hmm. they were talking about how poorly facebook's doing and i was like oh yeah why am i still doing this it, it never brings me any pleasure to be fair though it never really pr brings me any displeasure like i go on and i'm like yep okay like and then i, I get my messages and then i go like you got like opportunity mm. cost there yeah true i guess okay yeah i could have been on a better website <laughs> you could have yeah yeah it's you true. been running around with a big smile on your face oh or like yeah eating a hamburger okay or something. i like those ones better yeah <laughs> reading a book <laughs> huh are you reading anything at the moment um yeah, I'm actually, I started this like towards the end of the degree, but I kind of just, 
like when we were all editing my paper, I just couldn't, I couldn't read anything because I was reading my own writing and that wasn't pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> it had to be done. But it's this book, um, it's basically all about uh, insects cool. and technology and like reading the behavior of insects and also reading like media theory through the lens of insect behavior, which is pretty interesting. Um, so yeah, I've like kind of stopped with the fiction and gone headfirst back into like the hardcore theory. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> you tricked us. Um, we were expecting a story and you're like, <laughs> yeah. you're like, ha ha ha. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nothing lighthearted. <sorry. laughs> um, but yeah, no, like I definitely think doing this course has definitely made me realize how important reading is and how I think um, that's also such a calming activity and mm. to get away from like all the information we're in contact with and just kind of like sit or lie down and focus on one text. Um, even though I do still check my phone often when I'm reading, but yeah. 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 I, yeah. I, I've done that before. It's like, I'm reading a really lovely book and I like stop the book and check Instagram and mm. then like check it again, maybe. And then go yeah. back to reading. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. But you're right, you're so right. 10 more pages and then you can check your phone. Yeah. (laughs) No, books are sick. Books are mad. Yeah, the official hung up position is that books are like wicked. Insects, (laughs) really scary. (laughs) I was was like having a really relaxing night last night, like chilling, had some candles going and there was this like big like winged insect like stuck in the corner of my (laughs) window and I'm just like, fuck off, dude. Like it was fully ruining ruining my calm. Yeah. There's, that's like an analogy for like Instagram and technology and data. It's like we are the insects stuck inside a room that we can't even comprehend. Like yeah. we can't even see yeah. the glass, you know, True. for all the windows. True. I had this one. Um, that's my reading of it anyway. The it's, it's right pretty there, dire. baby. Just yeah, I know. Fly on out. Exactly. Yeah, it's mm. right there. Um, this fucking like I've had like three or four visits from the same insect. It's amazing. It's like definitely the same mm. brownish like grasshopper that like wants to be a locust or something. And it flew in one night and then I like put it outside on the roof. Like I tried to chuck it off the first story. It didn't land. And then it flew in again <laughs> this morning. It was like waiting at my front door. <laughs> I like opened my front door in the morning and it left inside right away. Same and I, one, I yeah. to, And I, I threw it out, yeah, same one. And then it came back in this afternoon. And then I like, I was like, right. And so I put it in my green coffee mug over here and I walked it down the street. I put it and let it out at the corner. <laughs> my neighbor's mailbox. I saw my neighbor on the, like, on the way out. I was like, hey, how's it going? Like, <laughs> Yeah, they're actually like surprisingly social creatures. Really? Um, and they're incredibly intelligent, like, but I was thinking before of what you said about, like, we're all kind of hooked on social media and it just made me think, like, it, it looks a lot of bees and the behavior of bees hmm. and, like, you know, it just feels like we're all bees stuck in the hive yeah. and we're all, like, kind of led on by the behavior of the person next to us. And we, we kind of just have to follow on. That's a much neater and truer metaphor, I think. Like, there's there's definitely this, like, true social stuff. Like, I put out this, um, I put out some music yesterday and, mm. like, all of my friends were sharing it. And it felt like such a supportive, like, beautiful, like, mm. community activity focused on me. Like, hell yeah, that's cool. But, but yeah, <laughs> it was just, like, this amazing gesture of, like, love and support. Mm. And I was like, whoa, like, that's why I'm on these fucking things. Sometimes you get... These really special yeah. moments.
I don't know, are you bothered about beauty? Because I think your works are quite beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think audiences, in some sense, like from what I have reckoned with, I feel like a lot of people want to be spoon fed. And I don't want to be spoon fed um, some of the time. Obviously, some of the time, everyone wants to be spoon fed. But like, I don't want the work I make to be spoon feeding people. Like I want, if anything, for them to kind of have to meet the work halfway and like do some legwork in order to unpack it. Because I think otherwise it's just lazy in a way. Like I think obviously there's definitely a high value for things that have an aesthetic beauty to them. And I think that's important. And I think everyone needs to experience that in their life on whatever level it is that they receive that. But I don't think it's entirely helpful with where the world is at the moment to just kind of make really placid things that are just easily digestible and not kind of drive home any point that has like bearing on the incredibly heavy and pressing things that everyone's going through it's hard it's hard it's always it always conflicts as well because then sometimes i get work that is all like you know the other side of that extreme like it's all mm. whatever it's all takes and it's all criticism and it's all heavy and it doesn't mm. have anything like you just walk past it you know because there's nothing yeah. there's nothing to grab onto there's nothing for you to grab onto mm. as a human being like it's just like you suck yeah. and the world sucks <laughs> and fuck you yeah yeah and you're True. like okay well how mm. do i why would i stop in front of this because mm. i'm not yeah. gonna just f like flagellate myself no <laughs> yeah. that's not. so i guess yeah. there's a, like any time you're trying to like sell a work or get someone to see it or get someone to buy a ticket to something, mm. you kind of have to be bothered about beauty. But it's always been, you know, like people that are into art, artistic people, weird people, mm. you know, like a huge part of the culture is enjoying the hard stuff. Like in every subculture that I can think of, mm. people put in the work and they enjoy the hard movies, the hard music, yeah. the hard books. Like True. that's almost like what subcultures are. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Are you a part of any subcultures that like we're not aware of? Um, uh, not that I subscribe to. If people want to like ascribe one to me, then they can go for it. But I can't think of any like unless you can't unless you count artists as a subculture. Yeah. Um, which is kind of how it feels actually in this country a lot of the time. But um, yeah. I mean, I definitely agree with what you were saying about, like, uh, being involved in seeing works that have that kind of sterile kind of quality to them and, like, you know, take themselves too seriously. Like, I think I, I try to make work that is, like, in between that kind of space where there is a playful and absurd kind of element, but it's also talking about things that I feel, like, are really important ways to kind of engage or digest the world that we're all living in hmm. in some sense yeah cool australian scene yeah i was i was gonna ask like can, can like because we we definitely have our own opinion about this but like can you give us your own like um like vitals report like a health checkup on the australian art scene like where <laughs> where, where do you see us at 
Uh, I think I'd probably get into too much trouble if I did that. Um, <laughs> I don't. We can cut I it. Like we it. can cut it out. Well, <laughs> don't say anything that you wouldn't want because I won't know what you want to be cut out. But I would love to hear that. That's all I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, we might. Well, after the episode, we might get you to answer that fully. But is there anything that you can say, like, on air to our listeners, you know? You obviously, you, you don't have a super, like, positive... Um, opinion about something to do with it um i definitely think that you know on the whole it needs to be taken out of the hands of like quite conservative rich benefactors and put into the hands of the actual artists and also make way for a lot more space for like young and emerging and mid-career artists to kind of show the work they want and not kind of be shuffled around into some clean institutional context that you know serves the people with deep pockets <laughs> said, I'll put well it that said. Way. <laughs> yeah that's that's our opinion too basically yeah I, I mean yeah it was really heartening seeing a lot of the work at like um the show that you were in and the one on last uh last thursday um mm. like it just it felt like there was all this energy you know in the in mm. at least in the students of art like this this like bountiful energy which was really cool to see you know but yeah th like you we see these galleries like we won't name drop but it's like a shop you know more than like mm. a, a real space for people yeah like we're saying to go and be challenged and and to like get wound up about something or even to like breathe we're in hmm. i've forgotten yeah. which gallery it was but we were in there and it was like we were like there was something on the floor or something like it was like a rug mm. it was like a big yeah, rug. Art rug and i kind of think like yeah okay if the work is like it's like a floor work or like your work's like literally a bench or something and it's like really inviting mm. you like this rug took up like the entire room there was no way to be in the room without being mm. on the rug mm. and the rug was also in front of like another work mm. so everything is telling right. you like stand on this rug Mm. and so yeah. we were like sitting on the rug and there was also like a big dog in the gallery that was like on the rug like yeah. slobbering on the rug <laughs> yeah. and uh the gallery well I, I don't think she was like i don't know if she was the gallerist or something was like get off the fucking rug like it's been sold or something <laughs> and i was like you know but they have their own functions like i felt like mm. you can kind of i don't know almost like not pillage those spaces but you can like see some really polished work or whatever i don't know yeah but it's tough they're yeah. tough spaces they're not yeah. for people like it didn't yeah we felt like yeah. we were outsiders in that in that particular gallery and yeah like i i like i like what you say it's like you know it's 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 a sort of library in that sense that you can go in for free you know and see yeah something that let's say i mean for one i could never afford to have you know but also like maybe some some like you know um artist who's been doing it for 30 or 40 years you know and they're from portugal or something whatever that's that's cool like i, I like that but yeah. yeah exactly what you're saying like if it if if it's at the cost of all of these things that seem like really basic stuff for yeah emerging mid-career artists people who are in art school it's like no, i would rather take the art school students like any day you know they're mm. so much more connected to the stuff that is in our lives and that matters to us you know people need to buy their work though as well right like fundamentally like it's a bit scary to think of i imagine i, I don't really know it'd be cool to get your take Corey, about like you know the the career thrust of like an artist in school and in postgrad school and then like am, am i wrong in thinking that that could be like the peak for a lot of kids because you're fully immersed in it 
you're fully mm. kind of you're like the world, whole entire world around you in for those that time is mm. like you know validating you and giving you a lot and then after that like you get into whatever this world is where art is yeah mm. tiny mm. you know from a market perspective so it's like yeah i don't know i guess that's a scary a scary thing because it's like all that it's no longer a sustained system or like a self-sustaining system, right? Like the art world after school. Mm. Now it's just like at the behest of capital. I don't know. Yeah. I can kind of jump in and say like, I mean, there is some sort, some sort of like, like it's not a free energy device, you know, going to art school. Cause there is definitely this like monetary input to the system. So like, that's true. That's what you're paying for. That's true. But yeah, your, your thoughts on that, Corey. Yeah. I mean, Having just finished, like, I definitely feel like I I don't have an anchor anymore. And, like, obviously there's a big sense of, like, what do I do now? And, like, what do I need to do? And what's the right thing to do? And how do I make this work? Um, like, I did just move into a new studio, which is, like, great because it's in my friend's garage. So I don't have to pay for it, which is, like, Sick. fantastic. Yeah. But it's like, you know, there's so many other kind of hoops you have to jump through, like in terms of putting together shows and like so many things. Like ideally, I'd like to go overseas and do a residency or something just to experience like what it's like to be in a different place, first of all, but also what it's like to be in a place that maybe has a different value when it comes to people that make art yeah. and yeah. The, the types of art that they make. I mean... There was definitely, like, there is definitely a whole kind of commercial push, especially around the grad shows, to kind of, like, sell. And if you sell, you've you've made a success of yourself. And I don't really subscribe to that kind of idea. If anything, I wanted to sell things so I didn't have to go through the pain of storing everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, that would have been ideal because that's just a pain of having to store everything now. But like, again, like it's nice that I get to hold on to like quite a few things and I can show them again in a different context or the way I wanted to show them in the first place. Hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I also think that, yeah, for some people it is kind of like the beginning and the end at the same time, because it can be really tough out there. And I think like, luckily for me, I think I formed really good bonds with my supervisors and a lot of people um, that I met going through NAS. Um, so I definitely think like, I feel like I myself have a pretty good support system in that way. It's just hard for, uh, people to access that if they're not in the right headspace or if they don't have the right living situation and yeah. whatnot. Yeah. I think we better start wrapping it up soon. Um, bef but before you go, uh, we would love to know if you have any like upcoming like uh, shows, uh, first mm. of all. Um, and if you also like, uh, if you have any uh, tips on like new galleries or new artists in Sydney that we should be aware of, like emerging people. Um, so I have hopefully a show happening soon that was meant to happen in the lockdown. Um, and that's a cross-institutional sh uh, show between NAS and SEA and COFA students. So it's quite a big show. Um, yeah, that would uh, have happened in July, but hopefully it'll be happening within the next few months. It's just kind of going through a few logistical things at the moment. 
Um, so if, if and when that happens, I'll definitely be posting about it. And in terms of galleries, I would say people should definitely check out a gallery called Schmick, which is in Chinatown. It's like right in the heart of Chinatown. It's like on the top floor of all these massage parlors that you can walk up the stairs off and maybe get a massage before or after you've seen some art. Um, and I think they've, they've had a little break for a while, but I think their next show opens on the 24th of this month. Yeah, um, cool. So yeah, definitely check that out. That's a great recommendation. Yeah, We're awesome. definitely going to check that out. Yeah, Nice one. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Corey. It was a pleasure. Well, thanks for, thanks for having me. It was really fun. All right, see you later. See you. See you, Corey. <laughs>